Welcome to FIA Speaks, a podcast at the centre of the futures, options and listed derivatives markets and the interesting people who work in them, run exchanges and regulate this industry. FIA's mission is to support open, transparent and competitive markets, protect and enhance the integrity of the financial system and promote high standards of professional conduct. Please note we have a lengthy disclaimer that I encourage you to listen to or read at FIA.org. But in short, this podcast is meant to be informative about this industry and should not be relied on for investment advice. And now, here's your host, FIA President and CEO, Walt Lucan. Welcome to FIA Speaks, a global markets podcast. This podcast is sponsored by SmartStream. Trust your data. Accelerate your future potential. More at smartstream-stp.com. In this podcast, this is the third installment of our Hall of Fame series, where we feature two of our eight 2021 inductees. These distinguished individuals were honored at our annual Boca Conference, and we thank them for their contributions to our industry. Well, Doug, congratulations on being part of the 2021 Futures Industry Hall of Fame class. Thank you for being here. Well, uh, thank you very much, and uh, I thank the FIA for for honoring me in this way. It, it's it's a real honor to be included uh, with this class of other inductees. I've been in the industry a long time, and the acknowledgement and respect of my peers and colleagues is one of the things that's most important to me. So I, I really appreciate this. Thank you. Well, let's start with an easy question, but how did you begin your career in the derivatives and futures industry? Well, I began my career pretty much when the CFTC started. Uh, I was at the law firm of Bayer, Marks & Upham, and we, two of our clients were Comex and Comex Clearing Association. And I worked for Steve Selig and Mark Buckstein there. And the CFTC had just come into existence, and in 1977, they mandated a rule review by COMEX. I was one of the two associates that was uh, sent down to COMEX to comb through every piece of paper that had been generated by COMEX uh, from the 1930s to determine if there were any uh, practices, processes that should have been submitted to the CFTC as a rule. As a result of that, uh, I became knowledgeable about futures. And when I joined J.P. Morgan in 1979, J.P. Morgan was just starting to really become active in the futures markets. They Banks had just been authorized to trade bullion again. Uh, the foreign exchange markets were heating up, and the Chicago exchanges uh, were offering uh, Treasury Securities futures contracts. J.P. Morgan started trading uh, all of those products, and, and uh, including bullion futures on COMEX, and decided to 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 study whether or not it should form its own captive FCM. I was the only person in the legal department that knew what a futures contract was. So I was put on that team uh, and was involved in 
the creation of Morgan Futures Corporation, which is where I became general counsel. Morgan Futures became J.P. Morgan Futures Corp. and is now part of J.P. Morgan Securities. Well, you are a role model to so many, but you know, I'm just curious from your career as you look back, um, whether it's time at Broker Tech, the OCC, you know, you're serving on the NFA board now, uh, Promontory, but who were some of your mentors uh, as you came into the, the industry? Clearly, the person that has had the most influence on my career and who has been a role model is Gene Ludwig. Uh, Gene Ludwig uh, tapped me uh, to join him at the OCC in 1993. Uh, I took a sabbatical from J.P. Morgan to join him there. And Gene asked me to join him because uh, Gene thought that this product derivatives was going to be something that the bank regulators really ought to get a handle on. And uh, so I joined him there and uh, really it was the most wonderful and rewarding experience of, of my career. But the reason Gene's a role model is because even back then, uh, Gene was very concerned with uh, diversity, um, treating people fairly, and that translated into policy at the OCC. And Gene was focused on fair lending and equal access to credit, and he still is. And so those are things that are important to me. And the fact that those have been issues that, that he has been talking about in the financial services industry for so long, I think is, is really important. And uh, it's something I've tried to follow him on with and, and do as well. Well, and your, your career is so expansive, as I, I mentioned, um, throughout the, the time uh, from the beginning of it to today at Promontory. Uh, but what, as you look back and you think about your legacy, what, what is the achievement you're most proud of? Um, well, I see there, there are a few things. Uh, well, uh, I was involved in both the creation and management of two game-changing legal entities uh, in the industry. First, uh, J.P. Morgan Futures. Uh, we were the first bank-affiliated FCM. And now, of course, the banks kind of dominate, uh, certainly the clearing. Uh, in in the industry, but back then there were no banks. We we were the first one, and uh, it took a lot of work, a regulatory work, um, in order to to create uh, Morgan Futures and to uh, for, to expand its product and services. Early on, bank regulators weren't comfortable with banks. Uh, clearing futures and clearing them for customers and certainly clearing them outside of a narrow set of financial futures. It took a lot of regulatory work to, uh, to expand bank authority broadly enough so that it could clear all futures contracts across all exchanges and, and all products. Uh, 
And of course, the other was BrokerTech Futures Exchange and BrokerTech Clearing Corporation. BrokerTech Futures Exchange as a legal entity wasn't a success, but uh, it did achieve its goals, which were to bring greater transparency to the market through electronic trading, to uh, lower the cost of uh, execution in the market, uh, to bring greater cross-margining to the industry. We established uh, one of the first cross-margining arrangements with DTCC. And uh, all, of, all of those, those were our goals. And, and in fact, those have all become important parts of the industry, transparency, lower cost, cross-margining. So uh, it was certainly a success in that way. But I think my biggest achievement was probably the issuance of Banking Circular 277 risk management of financial derivatives. It was the first uh, regulatory guidance, bank regulatory guidance in this country on how banks should manage the risk of futures. And it's been the blueprint for uh, regulation, global regulations of uh, the OTC derivatives market and even for the risk management provisions and uh, Title Seven of Dodd-Frank. And, uh, at the time, there was some opposition in, in the industry to even uh, having guidance of, with respect to bank activities and with respect to OTC derivatives. But I think in the end, it served the industry quite well. Uh, but one other thing I would mention, which uh, uh, is also quite significant, but not widely known or acknowledged is that uh, uh, I had lunch in Singapore with the Monetary Authority of Singapore. I flew all the way to Singapore to have lunch. And this was as a result of uh, Barings. Barings Bank collapsed, uh, exposed a lot of uncomfortable truths, I think, both about banks and how they manage risks and their controls and how regulators examine banks. One of the most uncomfortable truths was that the UK regulators found that they didn't have authority to examine banks in Singapore. We looked at that same issue here in the US and found we also didn't have authority to examine US banks in Singapore. So at the the time I was uh, at the OCC and part of Treasury. So I was dispatched to Singapore to have a conversation with the Monetary Authority of Singapore to start to, to begin the discussions that were ultimately successful in allowing U.S. bank regulators to examine the activities of banks in Singapore. Uh, so it, it, it was a big accomplishment, but... Uh, uh, all I can say I did really was go to Singapore for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a long way to go for lunch. <laughs> it, it was. Uh, I was on the ground in Singapore for less than 24 hours, and it took almost that long to get there and that long to, to return, obviously. <laughs> Well, that's a great story. I've, I've once flown to London for lunch, but never Singapore. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> um, 
Well, you know, as as we we wrap up our our talk here, um, you know, a lot of people may be interested in getting into our industry. And as somebody with some wisdom and some scar tissue and some achievements in our industry, what advice would you give to a young person coming out of college that they want to enter into our industry? Um, a, a couple of things. I, I think new products or new services provide real opportunities for, for someone who is entering the industry. Uh, if you, because there are areas in which there isn't established eminence and expertise. So you, you have the possibility of developing that expertise and knowledge and, and making yourself, if, if not indispensable to an organization, organization, then very valuable to them because of your knowledge. Uh, the other thing I'd say is that mentors are very important but sponsors are better. Uh, it's good to have someone that can show you the ropes of an organization, uh, explain how an organization operates. Uh, but to get ahead, you really need to have someone that's in your corner, someone that's going to go to go to bat for you. And uh, that's where sponsors, I think, are extremely important. Finally, I, I'd say don't take things personally. Uh, this this is a rough industry, and uh, and uh, it's important to treat people with respect and try not to get emotional about um, your defeats. Uh, some of the same people that uh, that have worked uh, I've worked for end up working for me. And there are competitors who end up being colleagues and allies. So I think it's very important to to maintain civil relations with people in the industry. We're all in this together, and, and uh, I think that's really important. Don't burn bridges. Well, resilience is so important for our industry, but it's important for individuals too, right? To be absolutely you know, themselves absolutely. up. And, uh, and dust themselves off and keep plugging away. So, Doug, it's just a pleasure. You know, I recall when I was acting chairman of the CFTC, working with you on modernizing the surveillance systems there, and, and you provided yeah. an report for us. Um, so I just know from personal experience, but also from your, your, your long and distinguished background, um, you're certainly deserved, and, and we're so thrilled to have you as part of the 2021 Hall of Fame class. So, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Walt. Thank you, FIA. Our next inductee is Futures Industry Executive and former president of CME Group, Brian Durkin. Brian has a long and distinguished career in the derivatives industry, and we are thrilled to honor him in the Futures Hall of Fame. So Brian, welcome. How did you get your start in our industry? Well, good morning, Walt, and I'm honored to be um, selected uh, as one of your um, distinguished recipients. Uh, I started in 1982 as an investigator at the Chicago Board of Trade. Uh, it took me about 
I think about eight months to get through the interview process um, and finally be offered a position as a staff investigator. And I remember when I started the job saying to uh, my parents, actually not saying, I was actually in tears saying, I don't think I can do this job. This, this business, this industry is way too complicated. They're talking about spreads. I have to analyze all of this data. Um, I don't think I can uh, develop enough skill to be able to do it. And I remember my, my parents telling me to pull myself up by the bootstraps and that I was a very smart young man and that I could conquer it. And, you know, and I did, I persevered and, uh, you know, learned, learned the markets, learned the information through a lot of help from a lot of people. And um, it really catapulted my career. Within a few, few years, I became a supervisor and then manager of the investigations department. And so several of the people that actually trained me and orientated me into to the business, I ultimately became um, their boss in a relatively short period of time, which I was you know, very, very gratified by. I remember when I first met you, I think um, I took a tour at the Board of Trade of the Investigations Department with you. I think that's my was first that memory. Level? Was yeah. that the level of the Board of Trade building? Remember those days? Yeah, I can't remember, but I just remember going into some room with a lot of computers <laughs> um, when I was early in my career at the CFTC. So, well, you know, following up on that, Brian, were there any mentors or role models in your career that stand out to you? You know, that's that's a very difficult one for me to answer because I can say this with all um, sincerity that uh, all along the uh, 37 years that uh, I've been in this industry, I've been very fortunate to work for um, and be mentored by um, many wonderful professionals in, in this business um, who saw certain abilities in me and, and, and gave me and took risks on me, but gave me the chance to take on a multitude of different responsibilities. Um, and, you know, without, without their guidance and their leadership, um, I wouldn't have enjoyed or had the amazing career that I've had. But there are two that stand out um, to me throughout that journey. Um, and that was really uh, Terry Duffy and Pupinder Gill, uh, particularly during the, um, the common clearing arrangement. And then ultimately when uh, um, the Board of Trade um, and the CME group came together um, and, and those two individuals you know, really reached out to me, um, gave me the confidence and the comfort that they believed in my capabilities and asked me to come on as the uh, chief operating officer of the combined organization. And from that journey forward, um, you know, I was offered a multitude of, of opportunities and responsibilities that went beyond um, the core COO responsibilities, developing um, global sales organizations, developing the international um, and expanding the international business, the market data businesses, um, the list kind of goes on. And, you know, it was really um, through uh, their belief in me um, that I was able to enjoy the benefits of, of having that type of exposure and those types of responsibilities. But truly, I, I can honestly say 
Um, I worked for um, many wonderful professionals in this industry throughout my tenure, and I'm proud of that. I, something stands out to me. I actually was at Boca, and I must have been, I don't know, maybe a safety seat commissioner, but giving FIA giving you an award for helping develop the fix protocols and implement that. And I think Pupender Gill was also a recipient. Am I remembering that correctly? So you have a very good memory. Um, and that's probably one of the um, one of the accomplishments that I'm most proud of was when we did the, uh, it was tied to the common clearing arrangement. So it was our ability to um, bring together common clearing and deliver um, what we had committed to delivering to um, our customers, which was significant margin efficiencies and capital efficiencies, um, and being able to do so by introducing some protocols um, that made um, their post-trade services um, more efficient, more seamless, more cost-effective. And the FIA um, awarded Gil and I, I believe it was the first um, FIA uh, Innovation Achievement Award ever given. Yeah, I'm very proud of that. I, I, I totally remember that. I was not part of FIA at that time, but uh, that stands out um, recognizing the two of you and, and the tremendous work that you did to, to put into that common clearing and the fixed protocols and all that. So, um, well, I, I don't want to, we backed into that question a little bit, but there, are there other achievements that stand out in your career that you might want to mention? Um, you know, bringing together the CME and the CBOT and then within a very short time period thereafter, um, the acquisition of uh, NYMEX and COMEX and integrating um, those businesses all under the CME group umbrella. You know, I was profoundly lucky to have been given the responsibility to oversee the global integrations of, of all of those um, activities and businesses, you know, into CME. And so, you know, if there's anything that I'm, I'm, I'm deeply, deeply proud of, it was the ability to do that, to be able to deliver um, those results to, to our customers um, in the time period that we had committed to um, and, and providing it, you know, to the, to the global client base in a very um, efficient manner, um, utilizing, you know, our world leading Globex platform, for people to be able to access um, the most vast diverse diversity of products. So yeah, that, that is something that I'll always be profoundly proud of. Well, you are a role model and a mentor to many, both inside the CME, but outside the CME as well. But if you were gonna give advice to a young person just entering our industry today, what would that be? What, would, what advice would you give a young person? You know, first of all, I don't really believe that um, that the uh, university curriculum is advanced to where it needs to to incorporate um, our wonderful industry um, into its teaching. So that's one of the things that I've been very strong in advocating for, um, and I'm involved in my own alma mater in that regard. Uh, in terms of helping people be introduced um, to um, the, the futures and derivatives industry. Um, young people coming into this business, 
there's a vast amount of opportunities associated for what um, our industry represents. And if, and if folks just took a few minutes to think about um, how what we do touches their lives in some way, shape, or form every single day of their lives, that's a, that's a pretty profound statement to make. But I can say it um, with confidence that, that, that it's true. Um, whether you're talking about, you know, interest rates or the cost of gas or, um, you know, the food that you put on your table, something that we're all doing helps make sure that that's able to happen, right? And so I would hope that young people would find that very intriguing and want to be a part um, of that business and that industry that is constantly evolving. One of the things that I loved about this business and continue to love about this business is it's constantly changing and it has to constantly adapt to those changes. And, you know, I think collectively, you know, we've done an amazing job um, to make these markets um, so efficient, you know, so global, so accessible. And, you know, I would hope that uh, the younger generation would find that you know, an area of interest um, to, to develop their career. Once they come into this business, and this is advice that I give to my own kids, um, which, by the way, I have six children, and it's pretty interesting that uh, three of my children have followed in my footsteps, and uh, somehow they're involved in this industry in one shape or form, which I'm pretty thrilled about. Um, but I do tell the young people, um, be patient. You know, be patient about the development of your career. Be patient about the exposure that you get as you develop yourselves. Um, don't be impetuous um, about making um, changes just because maybe you think that next promotion could happen elsewhere in a faster pace. Um, good things come in time um, in this business, I have found out. And as long as you work hard, you persevere, um, you draw in the knowledge that you you have at your disposal. Um, I think you could have a phenomenal experience and a phenomenal career in this business. Well, Brian, those are wise words. I actually I believe the exact same thing, and that's my advice to young people as well. Um, and both of us have benefited from that patience and, and, and recognizing opportunities when they present themselves. Well, look, it is it is just an honor to to recognize you and and to uh, ask you to be a member of this year's Hall of Fame. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening to our third and final installment of our Hall of Fame podcast series. We encourage you to listen to the other two podcasts in this series. We thank SmartStream for their sponsorship, and we welcome your feedback, issues, and ideas at FIAspeaks at FIA.org. Thanks for listening. FIA Speaks is brought to you by the staff of the FIA. Steve Adamski is our executive producer. Cameron Lane is our technical producer, with additional technical support from Craig Richardson. We welcome your feedback on these podcasts at FIAspeaks at FIA.org. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide investment, tax, business, legal or professional advice to any individual or entity. 
Unless specifically stated otherwise, neither FIA nor its members endorse, approve, recommend or certify any information, opinion, product, process, service, individual or entity presented or mentioned in this podcast. FIA makes no representations, warranties or guarantees as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the podcast's content. Reliance on the podcast content is done at your own risk. FIA disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special of consequential damages arising out of any use of reference to, reliance on or inability to use this podcast or its contents. Any commercial use, resale or redistribution of this podcast without the FIA's express written consent is prohibited. Copyright 2019 FIA. All rights reserved. For more information, visit FIA.org.